Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. Y'all look great today. Anybody glad to be in church? Anybody ready for the Word of God? Come on, somebody say amen. Awesome. I'm ready. I'm glad to be in church. Uh, so glad that you're here. Um, let, me, let me mention specifically one group that's here. Uh, Rio, Rio Hondo Prep, where you at in the house? There you guys are. Faith Assembly, let's give them a... So glad you guys are here. All the way uh, from Southern California, I believe. That's right. Amen. And they, I talked to a couple of them uh, during service. They said they love it so much so they're going to come back every week. So it's awesome. So glad to have you part. Uh, no, they came a long way. So, so, so cool to have you guys here. And uh, let me mention somebody else that's in this service. Uh, uh, Lloyd and Delane, Pastor Lloyd and Delane Eflin. Where are you guys at? Would you stand? Pastor Lloyd and Delane. Okay. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all are clapping. You're just like, I'm sure they're awesome. Let's clap. Let me tell you why you're getting ready to clap for them. Uh, it, they did celebrate an anniversary this week. They have been married 70 years. 7-0. Come on. Yeah. Woo. Woo. 70 years. Amen. I don't care what you say, that's awesome. They must have got married when they were about 11, but uh, I, don't, I don't know about that part. But man, uh, they, they, are, they are such blessings to this church, have been for so many years. We love you guys so much, such sweet people, and um, we celebrate with you. That is incredible. Um, well, we've been in this uh, series. Oh, let me greet our campuses, too. Red Bug Lake, Michigan Street Campus here at Curry Ford. Come on, all that's what our, we're just a clapping bunch today. Um, so excited about what God's doing at our campuses, uh, Red Bug Lake and Michigan Street campuses. Also, if you're joining us on a screen somewhere else, uh, we're glad you're part of this service. And we just ask you to lean in. I believe God is going to speak to you today. This morning when I was praying, I felt like God was saying, I'm going to do some miracles today. And so that would apply to anybody at one of our campuses, and it would apply to anybody who's just taken part in this service, however you are. So we're believing that God's going to do something special um, through, uh, through our time together and through our faith and our belief in the Word of God. Uh, we've been in this, uh, we started last week, uh, a, a series, uh, just two weeks, called Soul Food. So I'll conclude it today. If you missed last week, uh, I do encourage you to go back and, and watch last week's message only because it's kind of the, the dual part of this. It's like you kind of need both kind of versions. don't have time to, to address all of it uh, in one. So it, it is helpful to do that. So I, I would encourage you to go back and check that out. And then last Wednesday, we launched Summer of Care on Wednesday nights. We had a panel with some mental health experts and some different people in, in the field of like just soul health. And it was it was fabulous, and so if you weren't here Wednesday night, you may want to go check that out as well on YouTube or on our website um, or on an app, but uh, 
I mean, it, they, 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 were, it, they were brilliant, and they could have talked for, it, we could have went for four hours. It would have been mesmerizing the whole time. So you might want to check that out as well. But uh, we'll conclude this today. If you have a copy of God's Word, go to 3 John. 3 John, and there's only one chapter there, so you, you can't miss it. 3 John's towards the end of the Bible, uh, and it's uh, verse 2 of the only chapter there. And then also be ready for Matthew chapter 11, 3 John and Matthew chapter 11. And before we get into the Word, we're going to pray. And, um, and uh, I, I want us to pray uh, specifically for uh, some, some, some people and some families. Um, this week, Marcos Alvarez went to be with Jesus. And uh, Marcos was on our team. On our, he worked for, for, our, for the church and was on our, uh, worked in the media department for uh, seven or eight years. And was just an absolute blessing. Just, just so, such a heart to serve and it was fine behind, just making sure everything was happening all the time and was uh, just such a, a, a just awesome, awesome uh, man of God. And so we're going to pray for Luz, his wife, and for their whole family, that God's peace would be with, with them in a special way. Also, uh, a man that uh, used to volunteer in our media department for years, uh, Orlando Ribeiro, uh, he, he passed away a couple of weeks ago in his Memorial services this Friday at six o'clock uh, here in our in our chapels. So uh, we want to pray for both those families and uh, for all of the families who maybe have have lost loved ones in the last week or two. We're going to pray just for that, that God's peace would be very very strong in their hearts and lives right now. So will you do that with me? Will you pray that with me? And we're going to pray for God to speak to us today too. But let's, let's really do that. As the church family, let's intercede. Let's kind of link our faith together and, and just believe that God's going to be strong in these families at this season. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your peace that does certainly transcend all understanding. Your peace is uh, undescribable. And especially in moments and seasons of of, um, of storms like this. And so we do pray for, for these families that you would just be strong, that you would bring comfort, uh, that you would sustain them and keep them. Um, we, we just thank you for that, that you would uh, speak to them, Father. And God, we also just thank you that the power of your word affects all the areas of our life. And so I pray that today you'd speak to us, that you'd anoint this word and uh, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, and we will be ready to respond. We believe your word in Jesus' name. And everybody who believes his word, say amen. 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 God bless you. Uh, Third John chapter 1, there's only one chapter there, but verse number 2 says this. Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper. We like that. Prosper in every aspect of your life. Uh, and that you'd be in good health. We like that. But then there's a, um, uh, there is a, a ad, added information here to this verse, just as your soul prospers. It's kind of a conditional thing. Yes, prosper in all the other areas of your life. Yes, be healthy. But that can happen as your soul prospers. In other words, the prosperous soul is the number one priority. And a prosperous soul is one that overflows with the presence of God. It's one that's filled with the presence of God, not with the desires of a flesh. Because we, we talked about last week, the desires of the flesh would war against 
the soul. So the prosperous soul is one that allows the Spirit of God to, to take ownership, allows the Spirit of God to be housed there. That's what makes a soul healthy. That's what makes a soul whole. Uh, and that's the kind of craving that we want to desire uh, in our soul. Uh, a couple of years ago, Jamie and I, my wife, had the uh, opportunity to go on a cruise. It was a blessing. It was just the two of us, so it was awesome. And uh, when we were on the cruise, we had, most of the time, we had dinner in the, uh, in the buffet dining hall area of the cruise ship. And um, normally we would kind of get in the routine and be there around the same time each night. And so people on the cruise also had a routine. So you'd start to notice some of the same people in the same room as you're eating dinner. And so we would kind of start to notice, oh, look at that, look at them. That's they, we saw them last night. So that was happening, real time. People watching is kind of fun. So we would do that. All right. Well, there's one couple that we noticed there that was sitting not too far from us uh, almost every night that we were in the, in that, in that, uh, in the buffet. And the, they were very noticeable because they were like absolute specimens of human beings. I mean, muscles on muscles on muscles, just completely ripped, both of them, the, the husband and the wife. I, I think they were married, but both of them just absolute, like probably professional bodybuilders. I mean, like, I, I can't even describe it. Luckily, I can kind of show you because you can see, like, what the, like, this does not happen by accident, folks. I'm just telling you. So the kind of work, no, we, that's, that's what we noticed. It was such a contrast. It was just like, oh, my goodness. And they just, they had clothes on, but just the muscles just came right out. Like, it was just crazy. Um, and we also noticed what was on their plates because it was a, it was a buffet. It, was, it, it had Every food you could ever want, and it was, let me say this, it was prepared deliciously. I mean, it tasted so good, so many options, and yet every single night I would look over at their poor, pitiful plate, and it had nothing but, like, grass and leaves on it. Every night I'd look over there and be like, don't you guys know what you're missing? Like, there's some actual good stuff over there. Like, there's, like, what is going on? And I would think, oh, that's just what they're starting with. No, they would eat their leafery and their grass and their green stuff and different green stuff. And then they would just leave. That was it. That was dinner for them. And now there was a correlation to probably, like, how they looked and what they were consuming. But I would go a step further than that because I'm looking over there like, man, don't you know what you're missing? And here's the thing. They were looking at my plate probably thinking the same thing. They're probably looking at my plate going, oh, that poor, that poor boy over there. Like he is, look what he is doing to himself. Like it's amazing. Like I think that they're, because they're on, they're on vacation and they have everything that they could want to eat. And yet I think that's what they wanted. I think that's what they had desired. I think they had developed an appetite for that. And though there was a lot of other things that would have been less healthy for them, it wasn't even a sacrifice to them. It was that they had developed an appetite for that which is best for them. That can happen in the physical food realm. It can happen in the spiritual realm. Let me show you a video of some people that are still trying to just work through that development of appetite for the right things in, in, the, in the food realm. Then we're going to talk about the spiritual realm. Check this out. Whoa, hey, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I like 
<laughs> You're okay. <laughs> I don't want to eat a vegetable every day. We're going to. Cheddar soup. It tastes like cheese. Amen. Let me do it. This is a good time to do a quick plug for the men's grill and chill. No broccoli this Friday night at the men's grill and chill. So, all the men, get signed up for that. Come and hang with me on Friday night. Now, I love the, the kid at the end. He's just like, I hate everything. <laughs> and sometimes when we start talking about like our, our soul health and we start talking about this, this um, goal of developing the right appetites in our soul because it's so important that our, our soul prospers, that our soul is, is healthy, that our soul is being fed what it was designed to take in. It's, it's so important. And in Matthew chapter 11... Jesus talks about uh, a soul that's at rest, a soul that is, is healthy. And uh, I'll get to it in a moment, but towards the end of this passage that we're going to read, these three verses, he says, you'll find, and you'll find rest for your souls. And so keep that in mind. This is what he's describing is this, this place of, of rest and health for our souls. And he starts by saying this in verse, in verse 28. Jesus says, come to me. What's the recipe? What's the prescription for a soul at rest, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And then that, there it is. This is, the, this is the outcome of that. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We talked about last week how in religion and philosophy the soul represents kind of the, the, the all of us, the, the totality of us. It's what makes us unique. It's the part of us that's going to, uh, that's going to live on eternity somewhere. Uh, our body dies, the soul continues on. It's the inner person. The soul, uh, biblically, is, is, uh, is kind of the, all of the inner person. So sometimes in the Bible you might see uh, a verse referred to the heart. The heart is inside of that uh, category called the soul. You might see the Bible talk about uh, the mind. It's inside of that category that, would that would, the soul, that, that stuff would be included in the soul. The soul is the mind, the character, the thoughts, the feelings, uh, mind, will, emotions. And... Uh, Last week, I, I, I talked about a quote from St. Augustine that I just wanted to kind of launch there again. But St. Augustine said this, Take care of your body as if you were going to live forever, but take care of your soul as if you were going to die tomorrow. So we're just talking about what is the best food for the soul, that we could take care of our souls, that we could find healing and sustained health in our soul. It's not an area that we think about often enough. It's not an area that people talk about often enough. That's sustained health, sustained rest in our souls. And when Jesus is speaking of that, Jesus speaks uh, in, in, uh, in verse 28 uh, of engaging the right environment. 
of en- he says it this way. What's the right environment? He says, come to me. What's the right environment? Jesus says, I am the environment. Come to me. Come out of where you are. Come out of how you've been living and where you've been living and where you've been thinking and where you've been. Pro- come to me. And he says, all who are weary and burdened. And I like that he describes who the invitation is for. Come to me. Who gets to come to Jesus? Those that have it all figured out? No. Who gets to come to Jesus? Those that are, that are just pure and right and holy and never have a problem. No, it's not. No, Jesus says, come to me, those of you who are weary and burdened. And it's crazy because sometimes our, our weariness and our burdens, sometimes we think that's what disqualifies us from coming to Jesus. Sometimes we go, yeah, but I got so much going on in my mind, so much going on in my heart, so much weighed down, so much heaviness. I'm so exhausted internally, spiritually, that I guess I can't come to Jesus. No, Jesus goes, that's the very ones I'm inviting. Come to me if you're weary and you're burdened. God has to be at the center of our very soul. I, I heard about these two little boys that went to Christian school, went to a Christian school together, and they were the kind of friends that just seemed to uh, get in trouble a lot together, that kind of like multiplied their rebelliousness or something like that, right? They just kind of fed off each other. It was that kind of relationship, and they had gotten in trouble multiple times, and they'd got sent to the office multiple times, so now they're meeting with the principal yet another time. And the principal decides, I have to do something different to get through to these little boys. So she meets with them separately. She pulls one of the uh, little boys in first, and uh, she just starts the meeting with this. She goes, son, where is God? And the little boy just kind of looks around and shrugs his shoulders. She says, no, I'm serious. Where is God? She's just trying to get through to him, and he still kind of is like, well, I'm, you know, I don't understand. No, but I'm asking you, like, son, where's God? And he still just sits there in silence. So she said, I want you to think about this. It was a Friday. She says, I want you to take the weekend and think about this, and we're going to sit down on Monday and talk about this, okay? He nods his head yes. And then he heads out, and it's time for the next little boy to come in. And on his way out, he walks by where his friend is, and his friend says to him, what's going on in there, man? What took so long? What's going on? And this one that had been in meeting with the principal, he says to his friend, well, apparently God is missing, and they're trying to pin it on us. So here's, here's why I share that. For some of us, God's missing. Like for some of us, we've gotten so caught up with, with life and with, with job and family. Some of us get caught up serving God and God is missing in our souls. Like it's just, it's this, it's this, it's this world, it's this, it's this environment that we live in that just constantly got so many other things going on, so many other places to go, so many other environments to be in. And, and sometimes God just wants you to hit pause and he wants you to hear him say, hey, come to me. Like it's not about all these other things. It's, it's God in your soul. It's different than being at church. You can be at church and God's missing from your soul. You can be serving and God's missing from your soul. You can be around Christians. It's different. No, is God found in your soul? Is there even room for God with all the other things that I have going on in my soul? In World War II, the Americans, when they captured uh, Saipan Island, um, 
the, the Japanese had that island, and uh, as the American soldiers got there and were, were taking control of that island, something gruesome happened. The Japanese soldiers started ordering um, civilians to, to walk off of the cliff there at that island, and there was a massive cliff that, was down, that went down into uh, the rocks, and so Japanese soldiers are, are ordering these people just to go and just, just, just go down and, and, and walk right off the cliff to their death. And over a thousand civilians do that. And while they're doing that, there were American soldiers on the ground with bullhorns. And they, through an interpreter, were trying to convince and trying to persuade these civilians not to do that. And they were saying, no, 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 come around and, and you'll live. Come around and you'll be fine. Through these bullhorns, three words kept being shouted out in their language, come and live. Come and live. And very few people took them up on that, on that offer, on that invitation. And now, here we are in the busyness of life. And there's so many things taking uh, attack and taking a, a putting a war on our soul. And all the while the cross of Christ is screaming with a bullhorn. Jesus is saying, come to me. Uh, you go, I'm too tired. I know. The weary, come to me. Oh, I'm too burdened with stuff. I got, I, got, I got too much sin in my, no. He's saying, come to me. When Jesus said, come to me, those who are burdened and, and, and heavy laden, those who are, are burdened down and who are weighed down, he was talking about two things. He was talking about religion, for one, because those people that heard that that day, there were a lot of them that were weighed down by ceremonial laws and by the, the rules of the Pharisees. And it was just such a, it was such a heavy burden to carry. But then he's also talking about those of us now. That's not the burden we carry. No, now it's the burden of, of sin. It's the burden of guilt. It's the burden of shame. And some, Either way, both of those burdens, both of those kinds of, 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 of burdens and, and heaviness, they'll keep us from responding to that invitation from Jesus when he says, come to me. When he's talking about rest for a soul, Jesus first talks about environment. He goes on in verse 29 and he says, my, take my yoke upon you. Verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Not only does Jesus speak of environment, but he also speaks of alignment. That's, that's what he's talking about with a, a yoke. Most of us know maybe what a, a yoke is. You would put two animals into a yoke. And what that does when two animals are in a yoke, it guarantees that those animals are going to be going the same direction. It guarantees that those animals will be going at the same pace. That's what a yoke is. Those animals now are tied together. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. And uh, in, in, there would have been some thought of, of what a yoke looks like. But um, that also become a, had become a phrase for uh, a teacher to say, come be a disciple of mine. Come follow. Do life with me. Again, move at my pace. Go in my direction. And so this was an invitation for discipleship. Jesus was saying, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sometimes we might think of being tied down as being a negative thing. Like, we don't want to be yoked to anybody. We don't want to be yoked to anything. We want to do our thing. And there's a, there's a part of our soul, a part of our sinful nature, I guess, that would love that. That I don't want to be tied down to anything. And sometimes we even like good institutions, and we, we can kind of start to refer to them as, well, I'm tied to that, and it turns into a negative thing. Some of y'all, we, we just celebrate somebody's been married 70 years, and I doubt, 
I doubt Brother Eflin at any point in the 70 years has ever said, well, there's my old ball and chain. I bet he never said that. No, he doesn't see being tied down as a negative thing. Some single people, that's why they haven't gotten married. Well, I don't want to be tied down. Some married people, that's why they wish they hadn't got. Well, I don't like to be tied. Could it be the way you're looking at it is the problem? That you, you see being tied down as a negative thing or maybe even a job and you go, oh, man, I just, I'm, I'm tied to my job and it's the, you know, it's the chain gang and referring to like uh, inmates that are literally chained together, tied together and, and doing work. And we refer to our jobs as that. And uh, we, we refer, sometimes religion would even get, uh, would get referred to as that. Galatians chapter 1 talks about the, the yoke, don't, don't be yoked again by a, a yoke of slavery. Uh, again, these, these rules from, from the Old Testament. So we can see sometimes that a, a tie is a negative thing. Being tied to something is negative. But with Jesus, it's, his yoke is not a burden. His yoke is a blessing. Let me say it like this. Like if I were at the bottom of a well and someone threw me a rope and I was going to tie myself to it, I'm going to tie it tight. I'm going to tie it the best I can. If I'm climbing up on a, on a rock climbing wall and I'm going to go up high and they're fixing all that stuff on me. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, right? But I'm saying, no, make sure it's tied well. I mean, do the best tie job you ever did. If I'm going to do a zip line and I'm going to be zipping through the forest, get tie all that stuff as good as possible. If I'm going to get on a roller coaster that's going upside down, make sure that thing is locked in good. Double check it three times. I don't care if I can't breathe that much. I, what's the difference? It's perspective. It's like, no, I'm seeing this tying. I'm, I'm seeing this yoking as a source of life not as a source of death. And Jesus' yoke, he says, my yoke is easy. And uh, in the Greek, that word that gets translated when he says, my yoke is easy, he's saying this, that my yoke fits well. My yoke is individual. Like it's exactly what you need. Jesus knows exactly what you need. It's well-fitting. It fits you. It's a yoke. You can say it this way. It's a yoke-lined with love. So in this life, you know yourself. Like you know you're always shifting, always drifting. You know you have the propensity to fall, the propensity to fail. What happens, why, why does those things happen? Because we get yoked to the wrong things. We get tied to the wrong things. So you just have to ask yourself, what do I want to be yoked to? Do I want to be yoked to, to problems? Do I want to be yoked to problem people? Or do I want to be yoked to the prince of peace? Do I want to be yoked to the worry of this world? Or do I want to be yoked to the word of God? I want to be yoked to the word of God, not to the worries of this world. Do I want to be yoked to, amen. Do I want to be tied down by stress, anxiety, and fear? Or do I want to be yoked Full of faith. Do I want to be yoked to isolation or do I want to be yoked to restoration? No, I want my soul restored. Do I want to be yoked to sin, to guilt, and shame? Or you could be yoked to spiritual renewal. Where you wake up every day new in Christ. Where you wake, every, every, wake up every day going, I'm in right standing with God. I know God. I'm renewed in God. You could be yoked to restlessness and chaos. Or you could be yoked to rest in Christ, Jesus said, come to me, take my yoke upon you, and you'll find rest. Now, sometimes we go, I don't know how to be yoked to God. I don't even know what that, I mean, what does that mean? Maybe this will help. But Billy Sunday, uh, he was probably the most renowned evangelist in the United States at the turn of the 20th century. 
So the first two decades of the 20th century, man, he, he was setting our nation on fire as an evangelist. Um, before he was called to ministry, he played professional baseball for a couple of years and then got, felt, felt the call to ministry and, and left baseball behind and, and did that. But the story goes like this. When he first got saved, when Billy Sunday first got saved, the first day he got saved, um, a, a man in the church, older man, came up uh, beside him and put his arm around his uh, shoulder. And he said, young man, I see you've just given your life to Christ. He said, I have. So this older gentleman said this. He said, I'm going to give you three rules to live by. Three things that if you'll do them, you'll never backslide and you'll never fall away from God. And he said, the first one is this. Every day, spend 15 minutes listening to God. 15 minutes every day where you're just hearing from God. And he said, the second rule is this. Take 15 minutes every day and talk to God. Third rule is this, Billy. He's like, listen to God 15 minutes, talk to God for 15 minutes, and then take 15 minutes every day and talk to others about God. And he said, if you'll do these three things, you'll never fall away from Jesus. And it moved him. It, 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 like, it set something on fire in his spirit when he heard this. And so for his whole life, first thing he did when he got up, he spent his time hearing from God. He spent time in the Word of God, letting God speak to him. He spent time every day speaking to God. And then as, as, he, as he lived throughout his day, he would search for those moments where he could talk about God. This, this, this kind of consistency, that, what's that do? That puts you in Jesus' yoke. It puts you in alignment with Christ. It puts you in order with him. It puts you in the right pace with him. Consistently spending time with God. Look at the benefits that, it, that, that comes from this. Uh, let me just read a couple verses real quick. James chapter 4, come near to God and he will come near to you. What a benefit that the presence of God comes to us as we go to him. Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalms 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. These are the benefits of being in step, of aligning ourselves, our soul. You will, Isaiah chapter 26, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. These verses confirm that alignment eventually leads to development. That's the other thing Jesus spoke of. When we talk about rest for your soul, he spoke of development. Verse 29, Jesus said, and, and learn from me. Like, like learn, grow. Change. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. What do we have to learn from Jesus? Well, we read all throughout Scripture, in, all throughout the Gospels, when it's the life of Jesus. We see so many times that Jesus would break away from moments of prayer. That he would, he would get away from other people and he would spend time in the presence of his Father. This is especially important and, and uh, worth us modeling, uh, following this model, because Jesus was God. He was 100% God and 100% man. And yet, here's this 100% God man still breaking away from people and going, I just want, I want communion with my Father, though. My, there's, there's part of my soul that still longs for this communion with the Father. We need to learn this priority from Jesus that our souls are created for God. Our, our souls naturally crave to be in peaceful condition 
with God, to be at rest with God. Richard Swenson wrote a book in the 90s, and uh, the book was called Margin. He was a medical doctor, and he had seen so many different patients. And uh, as he started to question all of the different patients, he started seeing a steady stream of exhausted, hurting people coming into his office, and he started to question them on, on their life. And he decided that so many of them were suffering from uncontrolled societal epidemic, which he called living without margin. In other words, there's just so many things to do that I just, there's never a time of rest. There's just so much, and I keep adding things to my plate, adding things, adding things, and it's just, and he was saying it's affecting their, their, uh, their life, it's affecting their health, it's affecting their hearts, it's affecting their minds, all because there's no margin. Well, Matthew 11 tells us margin is not the answer. Messiah is the answer. Your soul is actually not craving margin. Your soul is craving Messiah. Now the side effect of being aligned with Jesus, the side effect of being in the environment of Jesus is margin. That if you prioritize those times with God, your soul will get what it is craving. John Piper writes it this way, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Let me end with this, because I, I saw uh, uh, something that was a little bit surprising in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I stumbled upon this thing of, of how whales die, and some of the most common ways that whales die, and one of the most common ways that whales die was a bit of a surprise to me. It's, it's, not, it's among the top two or three ways that, that whales end up dying, and it's this, they drowned. And uh, it's a little surprising because they're in this water, but yet they, they, they spend their lives in an environment that's eventually going to kill them. Why is it? Why would a whale drown? It's because a whale is a mammal. Like, like most of us are mammals. And so mammals usually walk along the earth, but they don't. They live in an environment that's going to end up, end up taking their life. And uh, while they're down there in that water, there's fish down there. And fish, they have gills. And so they're able to breathe under that water. But the whale is not breathing under that water. No, the, the whale has to come up out of the water to catch a breath. Fishing nets, that's why fishing nets uh, become especially hazardous for whales if they get tangled up and they can't rise to the surface. They can't come up for air. That's why they drown in the environment that they're living in. There is a, there's a life source for the whale that the whale needs the whale needs access to a life source that does not exist in the environment in which he lives. Same for us. There is a life source that your soul needs that does not exist in this realm. And so many times we sense that, like humanity senses that there's something more, like there's this need for air and we try to satisfy it with so many other things. I feel like that's what David felt like when he wrote Psalm 63.1, that there's this source that I've got to come up for air at some point. David wrote, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly, I search for you. He said, my soul, my soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Some of you, you're going, no, I, but I, I'm, I'm working hard and I'm working out and I got, I'm trying to work on my physical life. I'm trying to work on my emotional life. I'm trying to work on my mental health. I'm trying to get plenty of sleep. I'm trying to eat right, but yet there's still something that seems weary within me. I'll tell you what it is. It's your soul. And you are designed for that soul 
to be filled with God. And if you don't come up for air, if you don't learn in the busyness of this life to come up from air sometimes, this world will drown you. It's your soul. We don't think about it enough. And I want you, I want it so bad for you to do what Jesus, to answer his invitation. Come to me, especially those that are weary, especially those that are burdened. Take my yoke, align with me, get in pace with me, and learn. Learn from me. Let's do that today. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.